Hey gang, welcome to uh, another meeting of uh, Bill and Rich Anonymous. Uh, we are the Splendid Bohemians. We are lovely. Yes, we are. We are. And we are We are sequestered from the coronavirus. We, we, <laughs> we're in quarantine, but we're in a unique quarantine. Bill is You're in Florida. Uh, I'm in, in, in Los Angeles. This is probably the best quarantine you could possibly do, unfortunately. I, I miss your presence, but we do have this ability to see each other through Skype and uh, the wonders of Skype. The wonders of Skype. So uh, you know, so we're safe, but yet there's a uh, there's a plaintive ever, ever uh, present danger. But you know, and, we need to keep doing what we do. I mean, what else are we gonna? Well, do? we what else we <laughs> what else are we gonna do? I mean, this is what we do. But uh, of course, you know, what we're gonna do is we're gonna shift the sands of time here a little bit because. As Bill and I were talking about this whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a uh, most of the time a travesty and a uh, a corporate uh, how might Bernie say it uh, the billionaires billionaires have taken over rock and roll the billionaires have taken over rock and roll I threw a little Jewish more Jewish than necessary wow. but you know we'll, we'll deal can't, with that can't get more Jewish can't, really. get, can't get more Jewish but uh, well maybe with the does Mike Bloomberg sound like a rabbi to you? He, he reminds me of some rabbis I've seen. He does. He yeah. has a, he has a rabbinical tinge. No, he's him. not a performer. No, he's not. He's not a performer. <laughs> this is a guy who spends four hundred million dollars on his career and he can barely put two words together. But yet, well, he, under the barrage of attacks, under the, let's not go. No, let's not, no, no, no. But I just think of the history of entertainment, political entertainment. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. But we're going to go to a place now where we are going to we're going to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, because what we're going to do here is we're initiating our own hall, our own uh, dedication to artists who have never made that particular Hall of Fame. But we're not just going to be dealing with musicians. We're going to be dealing with creative people around a unique spectra, uh, spectrum of, of film and writing, of course, music, uh, poetry, literature, figures who have stood out to us. And why? Well, that's the very name of this new endeavor, the Rock My Soul Hall of Acclaim. Jenny said when she was five years old, nothing going on at all. Every time she turned Rock My Soul Hall of Acclaim, and what we're going to do here is we're going to present things that have really affected, touched us. Now, we always talk about things that have affected and touched us, but we're going to 
offer artists who have been within the mainstream and then faded away and then suddenly no one seems to remember much and they're not paid tribute as an arena band would be paid tribute. So I would like to, Bill, first induct, before Woodstock, Yes. and at the same time, around the same time of Monterey Pop, we had the greatest show on earth in New York, March 25th, 1967. Yes. Murray K., right? The great Murray Kaufman, disc jockey for WINS in New York City. And he would bring a show to the RKO 58th Street. This one, March 25th, 67, as I say. Nine big days, morning till night is how it was advertised. And here are the artists. The Cream, The Who, Jim and Gene, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, The Blues Project, Phil Oaks, Simon and Garfunkel, The Blues Magoos, the Young Rascals, Wilson Pickett, and headlining Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Oh, I'm so ready. Cooper and he was is some great stuff in there. He's talking about it, it was over the Easter vacation uh, and began March 25th, 1967. You were there. I was right? there. I was there. I went for three straight days. They gave you a record album every day. You walked in, you got a record album, three bucks, and they couldn't throw you out. The shows began at 10 o'clock in the morning. They ended around 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. And they went, they did five, six shows a day. The shows lasted around two hours. The Who would come out. They would do My Generation and The Kids Are All Right. Cream would come out. They would do Sunshine of My Love and one other song. I remember distinctly Eric Clapton giving everyone the finger because they weren't exactly everyone, the band that everyone came to see. Sure, they were brand new to the States. Brand new to the States. But um, here's the revelation. The revelation, of course, I always loved the wicked Wilson Pickett. Wilson Pickett, an artist unto himself in in so many different ways but mitch ryder with his jenny take a ride devil with a blue dress taking all i can get soccer to me attitude got on that stage and at that particular moment i found that to be the greatest live band i had ever seen or heard yes and they were so great 
coming out of Michigan that Bob Crew flew across the, the country to see them and sign them. Absolutely. And changed their name from Billy Lee and the Rivieras to Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. I heard about the fella you've been dancing with all over the neighborhood. But why did you ask me, baby? I didn't you think I could? I know you've been dancing with another guy. I seen his movies head on now. If that was you and me, I'd be baby. I want to show you how to do it right. 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 Ha ha. Ah. Push high. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, baby. Here we go, Luke. Billy Lee and the Rivieras. There also is some speculation that uh, Mitch had some difficulties with uh, a uh, biracial band called the Peps. And there was some animosity, and we don't really know what that means. There was some animosity, and that's why he left the Peps. But his dedication to soul music was, and still is, his reigning uh, signature. And, and uh, you know, I thought at the time that he was Caucasian, uh, but, who, but he sang so truthfully uh, the soul influence. It turns out he, he's not black but he's got Cherokee blood yeah Cherokee blood and it's pretty much I mean when we talk about the term blue-eyed soul you know when he is categorized he's categorized in terms of rock and roll rhythm and blues blue-eyed soul hard rock um, his contributions have been uh, numerous 25 albums over the course of this uh, over half a century career but I don't think that, given the fact that their ride was over by 1971, enough yes. people really got to see them live and understand just how great a live band this, this really was. And you, and you did. That, that's a very rare uh, experience. And after having gotten to see so many bands of that period live and people talking consistently about the Grateful Dead and talking consistently about... Uh, the Jefferson Airplane, or talking consistently about the Cream and the Who in the early stages. I'm gonna, I'm gonna override this, and I'm gonna tell you that that was the, that was the most exciting array of musicians, knowing exactly what they were doing. Um, and albeit you've got yourself a 25-minute set, um, they played the longest. They played. They the were longest. the last up. They were the last up. They headlined the show. So what you basically have is, you know, you got the full array, uh, a couple of ballads and, and all the hard stuff. But um, William Cheryl Levis Jr., he was born February 20, 26, 1945. And uh, we're talking about, yeah, a career that is that is spanned over 25 albums. And, uh, and he's still with us. He's 74 years old so, and he's still out there on the road, isn't he? He is still out there on the road. And uh, 
in popular culture, he's created some interest for a number of reasons, because there was a particular album in the 80s titled, uh, is it titled What I Did on My Summer Vacation? Yeah. Yeah, What I Did on My Summer Vacation. And it appears that uh, that Mitch uh, took a page from the Elton John book before Elton John even allowed anyone to know he was taking a page from the Elton John book. So well, Robert Criscow in his uh, review, uh, quoting uh, about this, how I spent my vacation. This is quite a quote. Okay. What he remembers best, apparently, is sex with men. And the songs that result put across all the sin, fear, passion, love and hate, pleasure, and release that buggery seems to have involved for him. The overall effect is revelatory. Come on, boys. Come on, men. Turn around, back up. Let's do it again. I just spoke with God. He said everything's a sin. We feel gay and the band is going to play. And what's interesting is it is a record that is not really given much due, much credit in the history of, uh, of, of rock and roll and in the history of popular music. It is a, it's a different kind of recording. Well, it's interesting because as I was doing some research for this, I ran across this gay blog and... I had this was all new information to me, and he's got the song "Cherry Poppin'," which, <laughs> where writer seems to be exhorting young men to come into his arms, and uh, but at the time, for someone like that coming out of uh, Detroit and this kind of macho culture, uh, this was rather brave i think well not only was it brave but it, it seems to be unheralded and i find that interesting when you consider you know the artists such as tom robinson who was given credit for uh for his gayness um a variety of artists who seemed to want to identify but you know the product that they were selling back in the day, never really translated to sales where the artist, with all dedication, said, I am gay or I am bisexual. That's what's fascinating about Elton John's career, because Elton John, uh, I would imagine as we look back now, I don't remember Elton John ever coming out. I don't remember well, uh, yeah, at one point, he didn't he do a big interview with Rolling Stone talking about that he was coming out? But... This is interesting here that um, uh, Mitch did a version of Lou Reed's Rock and Roll um, in 72. So, you know, and of course, Lou was was doing the same thing, sort of coming out in terms of um, the sexual uh, ambiguity. So this with was Bowie and all right. Those. Right. So there was possi there was tribute here being paid. 
I think he may have been influenced because if you look at him doing, you know, a Lou Reed song in 72 and then coming out in 78 with How I Spent My Vacation, it, it was a cultural experiment that was going on um, across the board. This is interesting. In 2005, Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels were inducted into the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame. Well, I think every state's got themselves a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do they? Um, well, a lot of states, but they call it a Blues Hall of Fame, a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's a New Orleans Jazz Hall of Fame. Everybody's got something that they, well, they'll pay tribute to certain artists. But um, yeah, what I find interesting is it seems as if probably due to the short-lived nature of you got you've got Jenny Take a Ride, Devil with a Blue Dress, Sakatumi, Too Many Fish in the Sea. Um, and for me, his greatest recording in 1968, which white stations did not play, called Taking All I Can Get While I Can Get It. The only station yeah. I could find it on was the local black station um, airing out of Queens, New York at the time, WWRL, Frankie Crocker playing that. Yeah, and, and I had it on an album. Yeah. Probably the Greatest Hits album. Yeah, I mean, it's on the Greatest Hits album along with Breakout and... Uh, um, I think the final charting single for them was a version of Come See About Me, which which I like very much. There's two versions, one with an opening string section and one that's with a cold opening. because that, as I say, that band, as created by Bob Crew, um, is one of the best live bands I can ever remember seeing. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, he was a garage band staple. Yeah, yeah, garage band staple. And we I mean, all played his songs uh, in, across the country. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he had a few of them, but it, it fit into that... Uh, question mark on the Styrians. You had to play Knock on Wood. You had to play 96 Tears. I mean, Devil with the Blue Dress. Devil was, with the Blue Dress was had to do it. mandatory. And, yeah. uh, you know, there, there were a few of those. Uh, young Rascals, I ain't going to eat out my heart anymore. I remember being requested vividly. Of course, Wipeout. Wipeout. Yeah. Wipeout there you go. There's the set list. Yeah, that, that, that was it. That was it. And you got, maybe you got 30 Gloria. I had to do Gloria. 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 Yeah, and what's interesting is what you know, watching Van's concerts these days, Van closes his shows with Gloria. 
Oh, that's great. And it's it's pretty well. He's in. Uh, he was just recently in Vegas for a residency, and uh, uh, he play, He goes all around the board, but he goes right back to the origin. He, he'll he'll give you that version of Gloria, unlike. You know, I wanted to, um, you know, before we uh, wrap it up on Mitch Ryder, I wanted to pay tribute to the uh, album that he made with Steve Crocker, uh, Steve Cropper uh, producing with uh, Booker T and the MGs, right? The, the Detroit Memphis experiment yes. in 1969. Which I believe you own on eight track tape. On four track. Oh, on four track. Which predates eight track. <laughs> <laughs> you have a four-track player? I do. Yeah. That's a thing of beauty. That's a, You sent me a picture. I didn't realize it was four-track. That's a Look thing. how that's beautiful. Isn't that it? Is a, it, it looks pristine, too. It's pristine. And uh, he was a young guy. Yeah. You know? But this was obviously a, a transitional record for him, coming out of the Detroit wheels into this... Uh, trying to, and rightfully so, hooking up with the Memphis musicians. Sure. It was a brilliant choice. And I think this album kind of dropped like a stone, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really fun. It must be available on vinyl. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. But then again, you know, there's... Cuts, wear and tear on my heart, raise your hand, meet, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Liberty, sugar bee, boredom, I believe, direct me, I get hot. <laughs> Great titles. <laughs> and of course, what Mitch was doing was he was following that entire, uh, that, that, that template where, you know, you, you did that Muscle Shoals thing. If you already have a reputation for, for doing blues, rhythm and blues, soul. Uh, yeah, it makes that, perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. That was the way to take it. Unfortunately, he did not gain traction. And uh, no, because you know, once you're set in the public's mind, it's really hard to uh, you know to repurpose. But it's interesting uh, what sets in the public's minds. It's like Jenny, take a ride, Devil with a Blue Dress, and pr not because Springsteen did it, but it. it was always a staple, and that was the only that was the most identifiable factor, and he could never eclipse that. That's right, and to think at seventy five, he still got to get out. The amount of energy it took to uh, to you know, like you say, you saw it live. The dynamic energy that he generated to be doing that at your mid seventies is. Uh, it's I saw a YouTube clip, and he's. Uh, He's he's laying back a little bit, but he, uh, yeah, he looks he, good. He sounds yeah, good. Yeah, he has to. I mean, he, he he has to lay back. You can't do. He never incorporated. He, for all intents and purposes, he he relied on his soul primarily, and his voice conducted the entire event. He didn't have James Brown moves. He didn't have dance moves. He basically was a stationary figure with a tambourine, but everything emanating from him was like church. It was like this magnificent sound. Of, he was of a spark gospel. plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this... So, um, so this is our first nomination. Yes, to it is. The, uh, yes, it is. Rock My Soul Hall of Acclaim. And I think what we're doing here is we're trying to state emphatically 
that there were some influences that cannot be denied uh, that may not get the uh, that may not generate the attention that we think that they should generate. But well, how we, is he not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, how is Johnny Rivers not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And then you, even even if you move up a bit, how do you how do you deny Warren Zevon a place? Th- mm-hmm. That's what made us begin to think about yes. having to uh, inaugurate our own uh, place of tribute where these artists are given their just due. Uh, for all the right reasons. And, uh, yeah, it's a corporate structure. So how are you going to, how do you make the case for Mitch Ryder? How does Jan Winner make the case for Mitch Ryder and all these people who get to vote? I don't know. And it took so long for Paul Butterfield to get in there that it's mind-blowing, it's baffling, it's crazy. And we're going to be dealing with artists on a regular basis um, who you'll recognize their tribute should have been paid a long time ago, but no dice. But we're going to go next to another artist, to another group of artists that also have uh, a similar a similar problem with a similar style yes. of music. And mm-hmm. we were we're going to we'll keep it a secret until you tune in to the next episode of Dig This with the Splendid Bohemians. Now utilizing the new and one day possibly an actual structure where we'll get. Mitch Ryder's uh, tambourine. Oh, that would be great. We'll put it on. Where should we? Where should we erect this structure? Bayside, Queens. Bayside. We're going to put it in Bayside, Queens, where you and I grew up. By the Throg's Neck Bridge. By the Throg's Neck Bridge. We're going to build a little monument by the Throg's Neck Bridge. Cool. All right, and that's uh, you know, there have been worse ideas that have taken off. Jump up, get it, hey!